Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello and welcome to Baseball Barbacast, the only baseball podcast in the world that's going to preview the World Series. I'm eh, maybe not actually. I'm Jake oh, Mitz. Yeah, that's Jordan that's... Schusterman. Hey, buddy. Wow. Well, I if that is the case, we better nail this. Uh, and you know, people are here saying, "Wow, is this no other baseball podcast talking about the World Series with all this extra time? You have a whole, all week for all these other baseball podcasts to preview the World Series." I'm here to talk about Skip Schumacher. That's why I'm wearing a Marlins hat. I don't know if you really want to talk about the World Series. Like, that's fine. But I guess we can get into it. I, I, there are probably some, some Astros and probably some Phillies fans listening, I would assume. Yeah, I, I would do an hour and a half on Skip. Skip the Skipper. But for today, I guess we'll talk about the World Series. Think about it this way. The stakes for the Phillies were just raised because now moving forward – they're going to have to take on Skip Schumacher and the Mighty Marlins. So this this really changes everything. It's, they got to get now it or this never. year. Now or never. Because the NL East is about to change forever. All right, Jake, we are going to preview the World Series. As we've done in previous rounds, we are going to go position by position. This time we're going to do a little bit more comparing directly position by position. Um, just run through the whole rosters. Uh, then we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back with our biggest questions for this here World series i'm i'm excited this is this is a this is a very fun matchup and uh we'll get into all of it but where do you want to begin i just want to take a big macro bird's eye view before we begin okay how are we feeling about this world series are we excited about it how does it compare to the last few that we've had are the narratives thick enough for you do you think people give a crap is your uncle's best friend that you see at shoal you know gonna ask you questions about it what's the vibe Great question. So, you know, because I, I got text from like my dad who, you know, he really follows baseball less than other sports, but he does. And he listens to this podcast every week. And he he's saying like, oh, you know, MLB, classic response of like, oh, MLB is probably not happy. You know, the Yankees are out, whatever. But I think that undefeated Astros, I think is a th even more than just the Astros being in the World Series a lot. I think them being undefeated, I do think carries extra weight. I think what they did to the Yankees also got them more attention. And then I think the Phillies are <laughs> a big market, very popular team on a very magical run, you know, 87 wins, 16 and everything. So it's, I like this one a lot more than what we had last year. And we talked a little bit about this uh, on, on earlier this week, but I think this is a more fun Cinderella story in terms of the Phillies compared to the Braves who also got hot in a different way last year. And I'm, I'm excited to honestly see either of these teams win at all. So I'm, I'm pretty amped about this one. The NLCS was these two lawless, conglomerates going toe-to-toe -to -toe with, you know, just playing with house money, mm -hmm. right? The Phillies and the Padres were just both happy to be there, and the baseball kind of reflected that. And I think we've had some of those World Series in the past. I think Mets-Royals was kind of like that, where people, you know, whoever won, it was fun, right? There yeah. was, you could not lose. And then there's a different type of great World Series where it's obvious hero, an obvious villain. And that's kind of what we have. And not just because of the trash can banging stuff, but because the Astros have been here. This is their fourth in six years. Mm -hmm. They've got a six straight ALCSs, right? Mm -hmm. They have not lost in the postseason. They should win. 
They won, I believe, 19 more games than Philly during the regular season. Okay. There is a huge gap between these two teams. A huge gap in likability from a neutral perspective and a huge gap in quality. Before we hop into all of this, I want to say this, Jordan. The Astros are a better team. No World Series outcome will change that in the same way that I still believe the Dodgers are better than the Padres, right? (laughs) These postseason series are not like conclusive um, summaries of these teams' quality. And I think that's important to note to a certain extent. But at the same time, it doesn't fucking matter. Because if the Phillies win, no Astros fan is going to be like, well, we were actually better in just in terms of previewing it. Like, you're going to think to yourself, hmm, Houston's better, aren't they? And yes, they are. <laughs> but but also off of that point, I also love this matchup because the NL has given us such chaos with 300-win teams going down in flames. And in the AL, the Astros have... have I know the Yankees look like the best team for two months, but if you've really paid that close attention, the Astros have been the best team in the AL for, I would say, the whole season. I, would, I had argued it since the beginning. And so for them to just steamroll the rest of the I mean, they've played close games, but then to come into the World Series undefeated compared to the carnage of the National League postseason is also a wonderful contrast and part of what makes this, this matchup so great. All right, so let's get into some of these uh, these here baseball players. Uh, instead of going one team than the other, we're going we're gonna to go position by position and compare both. And I think this is super fun with this matchup because there are some just fantastic contrasts at some of these positions. So let's begin behind the dish. Who are the catchers we're going to be seeing in this World Series? JT Realmuto against Martin Maldonado slash Christian Vasquez. Let's start with Realmuto. He's really good. Everyone knows he's really good. He is kind of the standard of quality catcher in the big leagues. Everyone understands that he's probably the best catcher in baseball. I will be honest. I was not familiar with your game, JT Realmuto. <laughs> Having watched him over the last couple of weeks in person... What a phenomenal ball player he is. He is good in a way that I can't think of anybody else being good. He is just an incredible athlete behind the dish. He leads the Phillies in steals. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't know what the, this is a good Sarah Lang's question, how many catchers have led their team in steals? Um, no, he, he's amazing. I wrote a piece uh, for, I believe, MLB about Real Muto a few years ago that I just remember taking away. It's like, and, and sure, you hear this about big leaguers, you know, the amazing high school. He was like the greatest athlete Oklahoma high schools ever seen, not just baseball, football, basketball, everything, wrestling. Like he is just insane, especially for a catcher. So much fun to watch. Um, you know, the overall offensive numbers don't don't exactly jump off the page for this postseason, but he's had some big hits. And just defensively, he's he's a game changer. I, I mean, he's he is he is everything that you you want in a catcher. And he gets a lot of respect, I think, within baseball because of his ability to be that dynamic offensively and on the bases while also being such a good defensive catcher. And he's in unreal shape. Like the amount of (laughs) knocks and dings he takes and is able to keep ticking, like Mm -hmm. this dude is an absolute freak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another thing with him is, remember, his contract was up after the Phillies traded for him, a trade that now looks like an absolute swindle. And Harper was publicly banging the drum for Real Muto being like, you need to extend this guy. You need to sign this guy. And Bryce Harper was, it wasn't just that. I remember before that, I think even maybe before they traded for, he was saying like, he's my favorite player. 
Like Bryce Harper is like JT Romuto is my favorite player in baseball. And so, yeah, that, that is a partnership that has certainly uh, worked out well. Before we go to the Astros pop quiz, what does JT stand for? Jacob Tyler, baby. There, there you go. There you go. For the, for some people are what Jacob Tyler. Also, he's a baseball player. How, how different? Of course, it's Jacob Tyler. <laughs> like, this is not that hard to guess. All right, let's talk about the Astros catchers. This is more of a, a tandem, although I would expect it to still be mostly Martin Maldonado. Very different uh, strategy here. You wrote about this for Fox earlier this season that the Astros have essentially punted offense to the catching position because they can. The rest of their lineup is that good. And because Maldonado is the definition of field general. He has become one of the faces of this Astros team over the last few seasons. Now, he wasn't on the seven team but I believe he's been there since Correct. 19 and he is he is so he is as far as just you know demonstrative emotions the the kind of the, how he puts down his signs how he how he covers up his the pitch calm and is looking at the hitter like he is just a a so much fun to watch and he's also like sort of not totally sucked on offense at least in the in the ALCS which was stunning any offense they get out of him is a bonus because he is there to catch the ball and then he is there to throw it back to the pitcher. That's the job. He is there to handle the staff. I think him being a veteran Latin catcher who is fluent in Spanish, obviously, is very helpful for this young, uh, predominantly Latino pitching staff. I think okay. that's a very important dynamic at play here. Christian Vasquez is the backup. Got him halfway through the season from Boston. He's just like a slightly better hitter than Maldonado and a slightly worse defender than Maldonado, but he is about, I would say like he's Maldonado light yeah. in all ways across yeah, the board. He, but he, the thing I want to bring up here, Jordan, with, with this group, mm-hmm. no one's going to steal. These are like two of the best catchers in throwing out runners. These teams do a really good job at holding runners. How many steals do we have all series and do we get one? And is there no steal of base, steal of taco in 2022? <laughs> As we mentioned, Real Muto led the Phillies in steals. You know, Kyle Tucker, I believe, led the the Astros. And I look, it's not like there's no just straight up speedsters really on either of these teams. I mean, Pena can run, Altuve you'll see run, but listen, it's it's really gonna be more about just it's the World Series and you know, every 90 feet counts. And so you'll have some aggression regardless of how good the catchers are. But I, it is interesting. I think we could be waiting a while into the series to see a steal. There is certainly a scenario in which, you know, the Astros just wallop Philly <laughs> in all of these games and no one steals and Taco Bell's just sitting on their hands, baby. I would sit the over under Jordan at two and a half total steals for the whole series. You want the right. over the under on that? Uh, I'll take the under. I'll take the under on okay. two and a half. I'll think, I think we'll get two. I think we'll get two. Great. Uh, all right, let's move to first base. This is a great, a great contrast. Let's begin with, of course, our good friend, Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins has hit five home runs in this postseason and only three other hits uh, and 14 strikeouts. So that's kind of what you've been getting uh, with Reese. Now, they've been amazing home runs and they have been a huge reason why the Phillies have won. Uh, But, you know, it is kind of boomer bust with him. The defense is uh, certainly going to be uh, something of a question mark, particularly in relation to the guy playing for Houston and Yuli Gurriel. That is the nicest way to say sucks, Jordan. <laughs> that was very nice of you. He's our good friend. I'm trying to be nice. Um, but Reese, he's swinging, he's swinging big, and I would love to see him hit a home run in the World Series. That is, That would just be delightful. Anything on Reese? Because I have a, a very fun on, note on Yuli Gurriel that I wanted to share. Reese is having the best time. 
I think of all the Phillies, he is outwardly, obviously enjoying himself the most. And what I love about Reese is he fits the term inbox athlete, right? <laughs> Where whenever, and we see this on defense and when he's running, he's kind of like awkward in terms of how he moves through space in the world in a way that I find to be very relatable. And like whenever there's a big moment and he hops out of the dugout, he's like flailing uncontrollably like a fan. And I find that to just be very heartwarming. Yes. Super Remember, enjoy. Jordan, he's a dreamer. He he is. That is that is what he called himself. Um, so we love Reese. Now, Yuli Gurriel is in having one of the, the more bizarre and amazing postseason that I can remember. He has, of course, only made the postseason with the Astros, made his debut in 2016, one of the greatest hitters Cuba's ever seen. He's 38. This dude's 38 years old. And so when he falls off a cliff in the regular season and puts up like a 647 OPS, it's like, well, he's cooked. But they keep him in the lineup because, one, he doesn't strike out. And two, he is an outstanding defensive first baseman. But what he is doing offensively in this postseason is a huge part of the reason why Houston is here. He's hitting 367. He's got 11 hits more than any other Astro. But most notably, Jake, he has zero walks and zero strikeouts. And right now he is tied with a gentleman named, this is, I got to go way back, with the gentleman named, this is extremely Peaky Blinders, <laughs> Billy Southworth of the 1926 <laughs> Cardinals, who also went 30 plate appearances. Now this is just when it was just the World Series. In the 1926 World Series, seven games against the Yankees, he went 30 plate appearances and had zero walks and zero strikeouts. But Yuli Gurriel, with his next plate appearance without a walk or a strikeout, We'll set the record for most in a postseason without either of those. And in the in the three true outcome era, I love this style of play. He is swinging like crazy, and it's actually working for him. So it's really fun. the no outcome at all era, <laughs> no true outcome. I think Balls he's in play, homer. man. Manfred's like, keep on playing, Yuli Gurriel. We need we need some action in the field. Everyone else is striking out and walking, and Gurriel's trying to make stuff happen. So, uh, but yeah, he's been he's been a really big part of Houston's offense, and he's you know he's batting sixth. So. All right, let's move on to second base, where Gene Segura is the taller second baseman. <laughs> Obviously, his counterpart will be Jose Altuve. Now, let's start with Altuve. Mm. What the fuck is going on, Jordan? I believe he did get two hits in Houston's last game against New York. Maybe he's heating up. I mean, you can't get much colder. Uh, three for 32 in this postseason. 11 strikeouts, just one extra base hit. I believe he had a, a double there against the Yankees. But yeah, man, it's, I mean, he's been ice cold and <laughs> they're not going to move Altuve from the leadoff spot. Like that's not going to happen. So if he starts heating up, you know, I think that that changes this series a lot. Um, but Gene Segura has also been a main character for this Phillies run. And you could argue is, is maybe even more important uh, and has been more important in some ways. Uh, for this Phillies run than what Altuve has been. But the thing with Altuve, and I just wrote about this uh, for Fox, is like, this isn't just like a great hit or something. Like, he's one of the greatest postseason hitters of all time. So, like, that's why this is so notable. It's not just a bad seven games. Um, it's it's unlike anything else we've seen from him. So, I'm curious to see if Altuve hates up, but, but Segura is maybe even more of an X factor. Segura hitting eighth is very interesting. And we'll talk about this a little bit later with, with Philly's bizarre lineup construction. Mm -hmm. He's lurking down there. And he is unlike a lot of Phillies hitters in that he makes a lot of contact, yep. right? He he doesn't strike out a whole lot. Mm -hmm. His big hit against the Padres was on a curveball or a slider like 85 miles out of the strike zone <laughs> right, that right. he blooped into the outfield. That's what he's going to do. He's going to come up in a spot and he's going to put the ball in play. Now, 
Let me ask you a very provocative question, Jordan. Who would you rather have in the World Series, Jose Altuve or Gene Segura? Definitely Jose Altuve. Okay, good. Uh, Gene Segura also could also could give us our our free taco. I was going to say I could, I could certainly picture him uh, you know, scampering over to second. But yeah, I mean, listen, back to his Mariners days. I've I've always loved Gene. He's he's a super fun, volatile player, but very entertaining. Great facial expressions. And, and yeah, but just, just for the, also Altuve's defense in general has been really good. And I would take that over Segura's as well. The other thing to know about Segura, right? Longest, mo- sorry, most postseason, blah, 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 blah. most regular season games played without a postseason appearance before this year. Mm-hmm. And he is clearly appreciating the moment. Oh, yes. <laughs> he is taking full advantage. I would say that the Gene Segura game this year which I believe was game three against the Padres, was the most one player has a game game that we've had this year, right? He just made a bunch of mistakes and then also won them the game. Yeah. It was really great. It so was, it was I, a delightful experience. I obviously would rather have Altuve, but I think Segura is one of the most five most entertaining players in the series. Definitely. All right, let's slide on over to shortstop and talk about two rookies Sure, Edmundo Sosa might come in for defense later, although he's really been coming in for Bowe more, I feel like, than Stott. Um, but Bryson Stott and Jeremy Pena. Pena, certainly one of the biggest breakout stars of this postseason. <laughs> We've told you on the last few podcasts, we were all over this one. Uh, we've been we watching him in the Winter League last year, and just he, everything about him just screams superstar. It's not just that he was able to step in and and fill in for Correa and be ninety percent as good immediately. It's that he's now done it when the Astros have needed him because Jose Altuve started over twenty three. <laughs> so Pena has been has been huge. He's a great defender as well. And Stotts had a bit of bit more of an, an uneven postseason. He has had some big hits, but on the whole, has really not given them that much offensively. But he's a guy that does have good at bats even if he doesn't have a whole lot of power he, he he you know a lot of deep counts he can work a walk so he's not a total a total zero offensively and Stott's an interesting development too I mean he's a first round pick too it's not like he wasn't a big prospect as well um, but a great a great contrast here two two different kinds of players but both of them could make an impact here the biggest difference to me between these two players is the way that they made their way towards the big leagues and here's what I mean by that the uh, Jeremy Pena was drafted a year before Bryson Stott, okay? But they made their debuts this year at the same time, which essentially means that Bryson Stott had one fewer year to cook in the minor leagues. He was also a slightly higher pick than Pena, but for the most part, right, Pena got an extra year last year to spend in the minor leagues working on his game. The reason he was afforded that is because the Astros had Carlos Correa. And so they didn't need to bring Pena up. Mm-hmm. Compare that to Bryson Stott, who this season was the Phillies' best option at shortstop. And he proved that. But he really did struggle and has kind of been coming into his own over the course of the season. Now, if you compare that to Pena, who came and hit the ground running, imagine if Bryson Stott had a whole other year. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the, the difference here, right? I would imagine that like next year, Bryson Stott potentially, maybe not as good as Pena, but could mm-hmm. be close to as valuable for the Phillies. And I think that that's an important thing to realize here when you compare these two guys is that because the Phillies didn't have another option short, Bryson Stott was slightly rushed into a role that he maybe wasn't totally ready for and has performed admirably in that spot. Yeah. The the only pushback I'd say about that is that Pena was hurt last year, right? He only played 37 games uh, last uh, minor league season. So, but the other thing to remember about Pena is that he sucked 
for June and July <laughs> and some of August. Turned it back on in September and has been amazing in October. But he he kind of already had that up and downs where his stock was just thrown into the fire and say, hey kid, figure it out. And he's you know he's not he's not hitting second the way that Pena will, will continue to. So the pressure is not as much on him. Uh, but but yeah, it, it, that is a, a, a fair point in terms of just the overall development of being in the minors. Just a quick Bryson Stott fact. So he is the most hectic person in the Phillies locker room celebrations, and he doesn't drink. And I find that to be very enjoyable to watch because you see him and you're like, that guy is sauced. And then you're like, oh no, he's just Mormon. He's just having a good time. All right, let's move over to third base. We got Alec versus Alex Bohm versus Bregman. Alec Bohm, not Jewish. Alex Bregman, please play for Team Israel. Uh, tell me about Alec Bohm, because I know you've spent a lot of time thinking about him this season. You, you wrote a long thing about him for Fox. He's had a lot of ups and downs. The going from I fucking hate this place to I love this place. Like, I can't believe I fucking hate this place was this season. I mean, that was like two weeks in in April. But an amazing arc for him. Also a first round pick. Uh, not a perfect player, but he has generally delivered uh, a lot this 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 postseason. Even if the overall numbers of, of his of his October line don't look great, he has had some big hits. Boom, similar to Stott, in my opinion, slightly rushed, probably a year too early into the big leagues because he was the best option the Phillies had. He, I think, personally, really struggled under Girardi, under the vibe. I think he felt a lot of pressure and a lot of tension coming down from the skipper, and under Thompson, he's felt much more comfortable, kind of being himself. As a player, like you said, he's very flawed. He is not a good defensive third baseman. Now, he's not as abysmal as he was last year, but the problem is pretty simple. He's like 6'6". Dude, he is so far away from the baseball. Alec Bohm all the way up there, the baseball's all the way down there. All right, how's yeah. he supposed to field it? He's a great example of listed at 6'5", uh, maybe better off being listed shorter than his actual height because he's supposed to be an infielder. I'll take the over on 6'5". He is enormous. And yeah, I mean, he, he only has, I mean, he's hitting 189 in this postseason. It does feel like he's had some big hits and he has made some big defensive plays as well, but you will likely see him subbed out uh, later on for later in games for Edmundo Sosa, which is a totally reasonable move. He has not been the problem with the Phillies defense this October. I think he's yeah. made one or two blunders, mm -hmm. but for the most part, he's been pretty good, pretty solid yeah. over there. He's made some really good diving stops, which is helpful mm -hmm. when you're that tall. He doesn't have a lot of power. And it's weird because he looks like he should. That being yeah. said, he does make a good amount of contact. Hasn't made a lot of contact this postseason. I think he will have a good World Series. Mm -hmm. I think he's a good matchup here. I like him to, to have some big hits. Spent his last offseason training in Houston. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people in Houston. His hitting coaches in Houston. I'm just, I'm betting on Bohm for this postseason. Now, that being said, <laughs> I'm betting more on Bregman because he's Alex Bregman. Uh, Alex Bregman, who has played uh, 80 postseason games in his career. <laughs> Think about how we just talked about Gene Segar. Think about a lot of these Phillies or just across the league guys who are just dying to get to the postseason. Alex Bregman lives in the postseason. He has 351 career postseason plate appearances. Now, the most interesting thing about him this year is that I, I, I think he says he had identical lines in back-to-back -back series. I've, this is one of the weirder, just quirky baseball stats. Five for 15 in the DS, five for 15 in the CS with a homer and a double and a walk. Very weird. Uh, but the point is, is he's he's delivering. He is 
when you need a big hit, when you need someone to shorten up, this dude can adjust his swing with the best of them, whether it's getting inside on a 97-hour fastball to poke it into the seats, whether it's shortening up with two strikes and taking a slider outside the other way for an RBI single. He is as professional as they come. He is a great third baseman, and he is just one of the best players in baseball, and he reminded us of that in the regular season, and he's doing it again in the postseason. Bregman versus the Phillies bullpen is going to be a very interesting <laughs> matchup to watch. Good luck to them. All right, let's slide on out to left field. Another super fun, just absolute units in left. Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Schwarber. Um, now, both of these guys have given us, you know, besides the Bryce homer, just in terms of sheer distance, you know, maybe the two biggest homers that we've seen this postseason with Schwarber's homer off Darvish and Jordan's homer off of Robbie, Robbie Ray. Um, <laughs> and and you know, the first thing we said, wait, why isn't, maybe you're tuning in, catch, why is Jordan even playing in the outfield? He does have one of the best throwing arms uh, in, in all of baseball. He has, I think, more uh, assists than almost any other uh, outfielder in baseball this year, and he's not as bad as you think. And most importantly, he's not any worse than Schwarber is. <laughs> right? And no, and the most, most importantly, there's like six square feet he has to cover. And yeah, yes, made yes park of left course field. in Houston. But he did play also left out there uh, in New York for one of those games. So it's not impossible. Look, none of these guys are great out there, but they're also not as bad as you think. Um, but it's certainly not a strength defensively. Now on offense, boy, this is going to be, this is going to be fun. I love that just Schwarber as a leadoff guy, I think we just completely take for granted as just an extremely goofy, wonderful thing. Imagine um, showing that to your grandparents. <laughs> right. And, you know, Schwarber, uh, he he's he hit uh, two homers against Houston at the end of the regular season. We'll talk about that that season, that series at the end of the regular season a little bit later. Um, but he's, you know, he's... <laughs> He is he is boomer bust as well. He looked lost for the first couple of series. He started to to kind of dial it in. And Jordan, kind of the opposite, had those two big games. I believe he's like three for twenty six or something since those first two games. Uh, but he had a couple of hits, big hits in that last game against the Yankees. So just a great, great two of the best uh, and and most terrifying sluggers you're going to have are these two guys out in left field. Now, the biggest difference between the two of them is that Jordan hits like 100 points higher of batting average. <laughs> yes, Jordan decided this year, I'll just stop striking out also. I'll, I'll just get my strikeout rate below average. Schwarber's still whiffing like crazy. Um, uh, but the power is, is similar, man. It is, it is 80 for both of them. And the reason Schwarber's up there is he walks. He walks yeah, a good amount. Sure. He started walking more towards the end of the last series. Mm -hmm. That's why he's leading off. In center field, this is just, this is also a great, comparison these are Chaz McCormick who had probably the biggest swing of the ALCS off Garrett Cole yeah and then Brandon Marsh for the the, the wet god for the Phillies and I would imagine Matt Veerling will probably get the start against Fr Framber Valdez mm -hmm. to get a righty in the lineup let's start with Brandon Marsh and how he has helped this team the Phillies infield understandably gets a lot of flack the outfield has been probably more of a problem. <laughs> okay. Yes. And here's why. Bryce Harper, who we don't worry, we'll get to him, has been hurt all year and cannot throw a baseball without pain. Underrated, insane thing. And that means he has to DH exclusively. Now, that was not the plan when Dave Dabrowski decided to pay Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos a lot of money. The idea was that they would all rotate through DH, and so they could all kind of rest and not have to play bad outfield. 
So when the Phillies were kind of stuck and they were like, oh shit, I guess we have to play Castellanos and Schwarber out there every day. They went out and got Brandon Marsh, who is an elite defender in center field, to suck up a lot of the baseballs and a lot of the outs that they were losing by having two bad defenders in the corners. And in the in the uh, NLCS, he's done just that. There were a couple of plays where he, there were balls hit out there. We were like, oh no, oh God. And then Brandon Marsh just goes and gets him. You know, I didn't realize, I thought Harper was playing right field until the first injury. He hasn't played right field since April 16th. <laughs> <laughs> and and by the way, Matt Gelb mentioned this in his his uh, piece in The Athletic Today, just like some, some notes going into the World Series. It sounds like it's pretty serious and like they might be missing him for some of spring training. Like this is like a real injury that Bryce, I don't know if it's Tommy John or, or something like, again, Phillies fans don't give a shit about that right now and you shouldn't, but it has still created a situation where you are actually playing Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos in the outfield in the World Series. Brandon Marsh, good luck. You will have to be dragging down as much as you can. Uh, now for Houston, Chaz McCormick, also one of the, the the more fun stories of this Houston team. I mean, he's batting eighth, <laughs> but he's got like a 900 OPS, got a couple homers. Again, you know, D2 senior sign, Millersville, shouts out to the PSAC. Uh, and, you know, grew up a Phillies fan, I understand, uh, in, in the Philly area. So that's cool for him to get to go, go play in Philly. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's also a backwards guy. Uh, I think we, we, we took note about that last season when the Astros were in the world series, but yeah, uh, backward, not a lot of the, not many of those in baseball, uh, who bat right and throw left, but pretty quality, uh, in center field as well. Made some nice plays in the CS and, and yeah, I mean, if he, he offensively, I mean, I certainly feel like he's more of a, uh, likely contributor than what Marsh and Veeling have looked like offensively. Uh, Marsh has had one, you know, that one big homer, but other than that, he's looked pretty lost uh, on offense. So, you know, I'd still kind of give the edge slightly to McCormick, but it's, it's pretty even. Jordan, how do you spell Chaz in Chaz McCormick? This was pointed <laughs> out to me by Pedro Mora. Yeah, it's, it's, it's C-H-A-S. Okay. Which, That's yeah. okay. That, okay. I believe you. Please go to Chaz McCormick's Twitter page for me. Oh, ooh, okay. All right. Is he verified? He seems like the exact kind of player that, that would be good enough to still not be verified. No, he's verified. Okay. Oh, whoa. Okay. So here's my guess on this one. Do you want to this, share this what the good. situation is? Yes, yes. <laughs> not. It's not just that his handle is Chazzy Fizz with five Zs. It's that it says... Chaz McCormick with a Z in his in his name in his in his, his Twitter name. So what do we think is going on here? This could be a Zach written situation. Family prefers one over the other. Well, it sounds like you're going to have to ask him uh, when you get there. I think it's a Porque No Los Dos situation where I think he, <laughs> I think like his his real name is Chas and he likes to go by Chaz because mm-hmm. it's not Charles. That's the other thing. His given name is not Charles. I it's was going to say, well, I was about to ask that. So, yeah, it does. Yeah, chat. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, listen, presumably his whole life, people have spelled it with a Z for him and he just kind of took it. But great question. Sounds like you need to do some journalism. Uh, uh, right. I think our buddy Pedro is all over. <laughs> let's let's move over to right field. We just mentioned Nick Castellanos. Castellanos and Kyle Tucker, both of these guys. Now, Castellanos hasn't really hit much all season. He did have some big hits earlier in the postseason. Kyle Tucker, another huge regular season, all-star, almost went 30-30, and then he's not been, not done much. He had one homer earlier in the playoffs. Other than that, he has been pretty cold, 
And if Kyle Tucker can get going, again, that gives the Astros another lefty uh, slugger behind Alvarez that is terrifying. And that's what makes this one through five so, so, so tough to deal with. But he's been, I mean, Kyle Tucker is a very weird aesthetic player. He is not exactly the most uh, enthralling personality. <laughs> the, the swing, in some ways, you're like, oh, it looks like Ted Williams. But then you realize that that's actually not as like beautiful <laughs> as you think. And so he's he's just a strange aesthetic player. But he, you can't argue with the, with the results. I mean, he's been incredible the last few regular seasons. I am going to switch gears for a second. Sorry. And talk about Chaz McCormick for another second. <laughs> okay, back to Chaz. Do you know where Chaz McCormick is from, Jordan? He's from Westchester, right? He's from Westchester, Pennsylvania. And where is that, Jordan? That is just west of Philadelphia. Just west of Philadelphia. If you go through uh, Chaz McCormick's Twitter page, uh, you will find a lot of Eagles-related likes oh, yeah, on yeah, there, yeah, Jordan yeah. Schusterman. Oh, this sure. is a Philly guy. Hundred percent. Yeah. Chaz yeah. McCormick is a Philly guy coming home to play these games in Philly. He's gonna have family there. You damn well know that in 2008 he was old enough to remember and pay attention, and was definitely a formative moment in his life. And here he's gonna be trying to harbor the storm. <laughs> I'm very hey. yeah. But as we just learned, you know who he's got in his corner is Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts, Houston native. So he can just ride with that as much as as much, that's how he'll mentally, uh, you know, just just he's still still ride with the Eagles uh, <laughs> as long as long as he can. So no, it's good. It's, it's a fun little fun little homecoming for him. All right, we can go back to, uh, to yeah. I mean, Kyle anything on Castellanos? Like he's he's been objectively disappointing for them this season. Although whenever when you're winning this much, it's exactly the kind of thing that like had there had they missed the postseason by one game, which was extremely possible, everyone would be like. Well, fuck this guy. Like he stunk. Like we gave him a ton of money, and he he was a huge reason why we didn't get there. Uh, but instead, he's just kind of along for the ride. But they could really use him uh, to kind of get get going here. Yeah, I mean, especially if he's going to be hitting behind Harper, which we'll yeah. dive into a lot more later. Let's move on to Bryce Harper to the DH spot. This one's kind of a toss up. Bryce Harper against Trey Mancini slash Aledmus Diaz. Who, who you got? <laughs> well, considering as much as we love Trey Mancini. Uh, considering Trey is 0 for 12 in this postseason and Aledmus Diaz uh, is 1 for 14 and Bryce Harper has 5,000 hits and some of the biggest hits we've seen in his career. I'm going to I'm gonna lean Harper here. I'm just going to lean slightly towards Harper here. What do you think? Yeah, I'll take Bryce Harper. Many words have been spilled <laughs> about how good he is, about how locked in he is. We talked about how injured he is and he's just still been this good. The DH existing has enabled this run from <laughs> Philly. Because if there's 100%. no DH, Harper probably just gets surgery. And he, they're not here, right? They just aren't not, It's right not. Now. It's not complicated. This isn't even like a stretch of a what if. This is just like a fact. <laughs> like without the DH, which again, I just, I said this for all of last season, during 2020, all of last year, as we were saying goodbye to pitchers hitting, what crazy National League fans were like, this year, we're like, man, I just, oh, I just wish Aaron Nola was stepping in that box right now. <laughs> Doesn't exist. There's no one in Philly who is against the DH now. They ain't uh, no baseball fans, except maybe no Astros fans. Me. 
And Padres yeah. fans, we have been gifted these moments because of the DH existing. It's, it's so not complicated. Like, I'm, I just hope, look, there's so many other things we can argue about. This one is a no-brainer. Okay. It's a crazy sliding doors what-if moment in baseball history. If they yes. kick it down a year, if they do it next year instead, and we just get none of this Bryce Harper postseason, <laughs> right. his like, legacy is completely different. Think about it. Phillies fans, would you rather have this magical, incredible, legacy-defining, Hall of Fame-guaranteeing, epic carry from Bryce Harper because he can hit and not play the right field? Or would you rather have that one funny Kyle Gibson homer in May? What do you think? Ooh, that's a toss-up. I mean, it's pretty funny when pitchers home. Like, it's pretty cool, right? <laughs> I'm leaning towards the- Oh, but dude, we could have gotten like Derek Hall pinch-hitting for Ranger Suarez in the fourth. Of the oh, NLDS. I would have loved that. I would have oh, loved that. And Derek missed Hall, opportunity. Yeah, Derek Hall, DH, right? He's a DH. Okay, all right. Let's move on. Bryce Harper's better than those guys. We do. If you want more Bryce Harper talk, go listen to our last episode. We gave you plenty of that. All right, let's move to the bench. Now, here's the main takeaway from looking at this bench is that a lot of these guys haven't played at all. <laughs> and, and so, you know, such is the case for teams usually this good when you, when you have a lot of health and you have – your kind of set lineup, certainly with Houston. Um, I mean, the Phillies were looking at Mundo Sosa, who's really coming in for defense. Veerling, who maybe gets to start against the lefty. Garrett Stubbs, you're not going to see behind Real Muto besides an injury. And then Dalton Guthrie is not going to... Dalton Guthrie or Nick Maton, who was on earlier. Similar, just kind of bench bats. They have not gotten in at all, and I wouldn't expect them to unless games go many, many, many innings. And then with the Astros, we mentioned Alebnis Diaz. He's kind of cycled through, played some left, some DH, some bench. David Hensley, a rookie, he had a big, you know, some big at bats against the Mariners, but he didn't really play against the Yankees. Christian Vasquez, he'll play some games. Then Mauricio Dubon, who's been on the roster, and he hasn't he hasn't seen the field at all. So, I mean, this just really aren't really big factors here, as far as I'm concerned. Very different because of the DH. <laughs> in previous seasons, your bench in the World Series and in the whole playoffs for an NL team was vital because. You would be pinch hitting for your pitcher and moving guys around and double switching and whatnot. The Phillies have had to do none of that this year. And so they just don't have a hitter on their bench. There's no guy on their bench who's like, let's bop. Let's ride. Hold on. I want to make a, a, the same, uh, a slightly different version of the same joke I just made. All right. Would you rather Bryce Harper carry your team uh, to the World Series? Or would, you, are you, or would you rather have Rob Thompson coming out of the dugout in the sixth and going over with the umpire all right, mm. so he's going to go there, and he's yep. going to go here, and he's. Gonna, mm-hmm. I mean, the crowd goes crazy for those moments, Loves right? It. I mean, I, I feel like that's what this October has really been lacking. Joe Madden built a legacy off of that, off of talking to the umpire and taking too long. So all you right, get our, this guy's going to go here. This yeah, guy's right, going to cool, go. Nice. We're going to bat him in the five hole. Thank you. He's going to go to left. He's going to move to. I mean, that's uh, again. That's why you watch baseball. All right, uh, but yeah, I mean, anything on this bench, like I don't really see any clear edge here, and even pinch running. I mean, I, I like Edmundo Sosa a lot, but. I don't know. <laughs> Garrett's, Garrett Stubbs is a huge vibes guy. Big yes. vibes guy. That's all I have to say. Let's move on to the pitchers. Now, I don't think they've announced starters yet, Jordan. A Phillies. Phillies did. They confirmed Nolan Wheeler 1 and 2. Nolan Wheeler 1 and 2. Wow, you I'm would sorry. imagine that the Astros <laughs> would go Verlander and Framber in yes. 1 and 2 against them. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into game one. Aaron Nola against Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander has allowed the most runs of any uh, Astros pitcher this postseason, which is very weird. A lot of that is because the Mariners absolutely torched him. Um, but he was shaky in those first couple of innings of the Yankees as well. Um, but 
then he figured it out. And from the third inning on in that game, it was like, oh, right. <laughs> he's probably going to win Cy Young. And he's one of the best pitchers we've ever seen. So if that version shows up, now it is worth noting that Justin Verlander carved the hangover lineup of the Phillies at the end of the regular season. So I don't know how much that's worth. But the thing that I'm going to point out here is that here's a weird thing. Kyle Schwarber and Reese Hoskins have never faced Justin Verlander in their careers. And this is a hell of a time to face them for the first time uh, in World Series Game 1. The only guys with any experience against Verlander is Segura uh, from his time you know, with the Mariners and with some other teams, and, and Castellanos as well, Bryce Harper five at-bats. So not a ton of experience there. And that also comes up, none of these guys have seen Javier. They faced Fromber at the end of the season, and they faced Lance at the end of the season. But not a lot of matchups here. Same goes for the Phillies, though. Very few of the Astros have seen Wheeler. Um, so that could be an advantage there. They did get carved up by Nola at the end of the regular season. So really interested to see how that dynamic plays out, just in terms of seeing these guys for the first time you know, on the biggest stage. Who would you rather have starting game one of a postseason series, Verlander or Nola? The current versions of them. Nola uh, was incredible in his first two postseason mm-hmm. starts, didn't allow a run, and mm-hmm. then his brother got in his head. Uh, in game two, I don't believe there's a Nola on the Astros. No, no, uh, I'm I take Verlander over Nola and I take Wheeler over Fromber. And that hurts my heart because, you know, Fromber is one of my favorite pitchers in the world. But I think this is pretty close to similar. If it was Verlander Wheeler, I think that would be uh, a lot more interesting. Um, but I, I still got to lean uh, JB here. The let's move on to game two now. Talk about Wheeler and Fromber. Philly was weirdly good this year against ground ball pitchers. They were the fourth best team in baseball against ground ball pitchers, according to baseball reference. Framber is the ground ball pitcher. The ground balliest ground ball pitcher. Now, one guy who was not was Harper. So Harper really did struggle on against sinkers and balls low in the zone, against pitchers who keep it on the ground. That'll be a super, super, super interesting dynamic to keep an eye on in game two. I think Wheeler is going to just shove it. In game two, I have never felt better. I've never had my perception of a pitcher changed more in a postseason, really, than Wheeler has changed the way I think about him in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, except amazing. for obviously Madison Bumgarner that one time. <laughs> uh, I will take Wheeler in game two, mm-hmm. and I will take Verlander in game one. Uh, also, Harper also has never faced Fromber, so matchup also unfavorable in that sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it, it's a really, really, really good, good one too there. And it's part of the reason why the Phillies have a very legitimate chance, uh, in this series. Now, after that, this is where it's really, the gap really starts to widen because you have Ranger Suarez, uh, in game three, he's shown us some greatness. He's shown us five walks and somehow getting out of it. He's shown us a save against either McCullers or Christian Javier, who have both been tremendous um, this October. And then more importantly, game four is, I mean, Bailey Falter, Kyle Gibson, and Syndergaard against the other of McCullers and Javier. And that's before you even get into potential long options like Urquidy, like Luis Garcia, who hasn't pitched since, since the ACN game, like Hunter Brown. I mean, this is where the gap widens. And what really is going to have to happen here is Rob Thompson is just going to have some very tough decisions to make because not just in terms of who starts, but in terms of who's pitching the game, if you're getting your ass kicked and in terms of who's pitching the game, if you're down, but it's close, but you don't want to burn important guys for games later in the series, that is going to be a huge challenge for Rob Thompson who has relied on four pitchers for 
60% of the postseason innings thus far. That is where the Houston Astros have the most gigantic edge, I think, in this series is in these middle games. I think Ranger in game three is in a little bit of trouble considering how well the Astros lineup does against lefties mm-hmm. because there's basically there's no drop off for Jordan against lefties. He okay. doesn't have that. And all the righties in their lineup, Altuve, Bregman, et cetera, crush against lefties. And so I am worried. I am yeah, very and, worried and about Suarez Ranger. also in that hangover game got torched three homers, six runs against the Astros in that game. I'll give him a pass for that. But it doesn't help that they did just see him. It's not, I mean, sure, maybe Suarez wasn't on his game. Maybe he was a little, you know, feeling a bit of a, a little, some after effects of the party the night before. But still, I'd say it can't exactly help. So that's just where this is going to be hard. Now, it helps that they'll be back at home in Philly, you know, and they'll, and they'll have that crowd going for them. But that is that is where this, this gap really starts wide. Because those first two games, it really should be super duper close. All right, let's talk about the bullpens. This is also where the Astros have a significant depth advantage, although at the top, how good Alvarado and Dominguez have been, if the Phillies can get it to the seventh with a lead, they should be in decent shape, or at least as good of shape as you can be in. Alvarado and Dominguez have been as automatic as you can be, except for that one inning where it got really wet on Dominguez and he didn't know where the ball was going. And the old, I think... Alvarado's allowed three runs this this postseason, two of which came off the Juan Yepes home run in St. Louis, which feels like 85 years ago. That being said, behind those two, there's an enormous drop-off. Connor Brogdon has been good, but not necessarily in high leverage. Eflin has thrown some high leverage innings, but not necessarily against the top of other teams' lineups. That's the thing to me. If you're in your head, right, you want to have to face the top of another team's lineup four, maybe five times. In the Nola Wheeler games, you're hoping to get through those through them three times with a starter, once with Alvarado, once with Dominguez. Or maybe you don't have to use the other, right? And then yep. in the Ranger Suarez games and game four, you're like, well, fucking shit, here we go. Because you're going to have to have a different reliever face the top of that lineup. I think... I'm going to go with Bilotti. I think as Andrew Bilotti. As the third Bilotti, guy that steps up, yeah. As the He's third guy that steps up and gets a couple more high leverage mm-hmm. spots. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, for Houston, Presley's the closer. We've seen him get four outs. Stanek had a 1-1-5 ERA. He walks a lot of guys. He's like their fifth guy behind Montero and Abreu, whose pure stuff is just insane. And then Hector Neris, who we will give some time on his own here in a little bit, who's also been tremendous this season. Uh, and then again, Hunter Brown, like that's another huge arm that they've been deploying in the bullpen with some of the best. He's got a 93 mile an hour slider. So it's a huge gap. Now, the, the, another X factor we're going to talk about just the, the rosters in general. Do the Astros choose to put Will Smith back on the roster uh, for this for this postseason? They haven't used a lefty at all uh, during during the postseason so far um, it, uh, out of the bullpen. I could see that making some sense. Um, but also, like again, those all those righties get lefties out. So if they think he's not one of their best guys, they're they're just going to keep going with who they already have. So yeah, man, it's 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 a pretty clear difference. But if you can somehow keep managing to only use, look, we saw it with. It's not like teams haven't done it getting through the postseason with just five or six guys. It just has to be managed extremely delicately. And and one one wrong decision or one you know blowing one of these guys 
even if he pitches well in a game that you're losing, like that just has huge repercussions later in the series. And that that's the biggest challenge for Philly. The way to keep your bullpen fresh is for your starters to pitch deep. We talk about the 2019 Nats, right? And how they only use two relievers. They only use two relievers because Corbin Strasburg and Scherzer were just, you know, working deep in the And games. Joe Ross. And Joe Ross. Shout out Joe Ross. <laughs> Shout out Joe Ross. Uh, uh, but yes, no, it's 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 very true. Uh, so yeah, I mean, again, pitching on the whole, clearly Astros have an edge. There's a path to get it done with Philly. It will be very difficult. The managers. Rob Thompson, Philly Rob, who's really Canadian Rob, not really very Philly at all, I would say, but they love him. They love him in the city of brotherly love now. And I one, let's say, one of the funniest yeah. things I've seen uh-huh. was the every single Philly player's wife slash girlfriend slash significant other on the field after they won the CS insisting to take a group picture with Rob Thompson. It was all of them, and they were all wearing shirts that say, I think it's a shirt that I ride with Philly Rob. They were all wearing it, and there's a picture with like 30 of them and Rob Thompson. And at no point did he laugh or smile. And that (laughs) is the whole thing with Rob Thompson. He is even keeled. He does not flinch. He has seen it all. He carries himself like a guy who has seen it all. I don't know if you... He's like the kind of person where if you tickled him, he wouldn't react, okay? (laughs) And he's not like a Corey Kluber robot situation, He's just a slow heartbeat, monotone. His personality is monotone, mm-hmm. but he's wry, he's witty, and the players love him. The That's players love him because he trusts them. He doesn't freak out. He's not Joe Girardi. That's a huge part of it, right? And he has garnered this cult hero status because he's low key, which is hilarious for Philly, right? And when you think about Charlie yes. Manuel, like Charlie Manuel was just saying wild shit all the time. Rob Thompson doesn't say anything ever, right? And they've latched onto him because of how like boring and uh, boring is maybe not a fair word, but of how low key he is. And of course, it is a great contrast with one of the great personalities of baseball history in Dusty Baker, still in search of his first ring. Third year with Houston, losing the CS in 20, lose the World Series last year. This feels like his best chance to finally get it. And, you know, this roster is so good and the bullpen is so good and the lineup is so set that he doesn't really have that many tough decisions to make, but I still trust him. He's got a great coaching staff and I just feel like this is, this is it. It is just set up for him to finally do this. And, and, you know, unsurprisingly, all the players have been talking about all season. They're like, hell yeah, we want to win for Dusty. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, how could we not? Like he's guided us through these last three years where everyone hates us better than anyone possibly could. And with the best possible uh, outlook and, and, and attitude. And, and yeah, now he's just has this amazing opportunity and, uh, and I (laughs) really like his chances. Um, before we take a break, before we take a break, break. yeah, no, no, no. Before we take a break, I have one more question. Okay. The vibes. Mm-hmm. We've compared position by position, mm-hmm. manager by manager, bench by bench. Let's compare the vibes because vibes are undefeated. Vibes have never lost. Be- and that's hindsight, right? When you look back at a team season that wins the World Series, like they have the vibes the whole time, man. And the mm-hmm. teams that didn't make it, they didn't have the vibes. The Mets, the vibes in the end, they just didn't have the vibes, dude. Vibes have never lost. So I want you to contrast the vibes here. Can you contrast the vibes? Yeah, I would say the biggest argument against your uh, your take there, although it is it is a strong one, is probably the 2020 Rays. 
who who definitely had the vibes, uh, at least until they took Blake Snell out. Um, but it's still a good point. I get your point. Uh, as far as comparing these two, I mean, the, the Phillies are on a ride, right? The Astros are on a mission. And that is really the difference here, is the Astros kind of just have a job to do here. At the same time, the Astros are so comfortable. And so the Phillies vibes will either carry them to victory or be their downfall because it's like, holy shit, we got to figure out how to beat the Astros now and we're relying on, you know, magic. <laughs> and so I could see it going both ways. I think you have to still lean Phillies because of just what this has done to the city and just the fan base. Uh, but I, I, like you said, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's, it's not an undefeated recipe. It's more of just how we treat it in hindsight. It also just feels like the Phillies have played way more games. Well, they have recently. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's only 11 four. To se- 11 to seven. It's just four it's more four. games. But in October, it feels, it feels <laughs> like a, a ton more. Um, and, and, you know, that's also part of why, you know, the rest versus rust thing is, is, is kind of goofy, but in some ways for a team like Philly, it's like, man, you know, sitting around all, all week in some ways, maybe that helps, right? They've been, been, been chilling, but. Uh, whereas the Astros have just been kind of marching on. So, yeah, I mean, you got to give the edge to Philly, but I, I don't know if it's enough for me to pick them. Hater. All right, we'll take a break and we'll come back with some of the biggest questions surrounding the World Series brought to you by our producer, Chris. Hey, everyone, this is Lindsay Rhodes, host of the NFL Roadshow, a SiriusXM podcast, inviting you to join me three, yes, three times a week for NFL analysis that goes beyond the low-hanging fruit. On Mondays, we react to the biggest stories of the NFL weekend. On Wednesdays, we pick one topic to really dig in on. And on Fridays, I'll give you all the fantasy football advice you need in just 15 minutes. We call it the Fantasy 15. Download new episodes of the NFL Roadshow right now on the SXM app, included with all of our trials and popular plans, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back here on Baseball Barbacast to ask some of the big questions. Shadowing, that's not the word. Lingering, that's not the word. Here at the World Series and to ask those questions in better English than me or Jordan could possibly muster. It's producer Chris. Producer Chris, hello. What's up, fellas? How you doing? We're doing great. Wow. Uh, we've been meaning to uh, take advantage of your wonderful accent a little <laughs> bit more on this show, and there's no better way to do that than have you pose some of the big questions uh, of, of this here World Series, including one of your own that we have not prepared for. Um, so so, so take it away, Chris, and, and, and we're going to try to answer these definitively. We have the answers to these questions. Let's be very clear. Yes. I'm going to do my best to understand your accent. <laughs> It can be a bit tough to understand sometimes, yeah, but we'll okay. excuse me, we'll get excuse we'll get me? through it. Can you say that again? I, I said we'll get through it. Thank, we'll okay. get through it. Yes, got it. Uh, but thank you for having me on. I appreciate uh, being a part of the show. We're trying to grow the Australian market here on uh, Baseball Barbercast, so Got hopefully all my Australian buddies can actually listen, tune in. I know Mum and Dad are listening. They're, they're uh, probably somewhere over the uh, the Pacific at the moment, flying back to Australia, so they'll be listening. But we do want to try to grow the Australian audience a little bit. So if you know an awesome. Australian, tell them about the show. Well, that's at least right. two. So yeah, exactly. We, again, just let's just keep that coming. <laughs> yeah, that's a good start. All right, first question, guys. We all know how the Astros are going to win this series, right? But how will the Phillies win it? Vibes. <laughs> right off of what we just talked about, how I just said that's not going to be that's not going to be enough. Uh, Jake, I know you you wrote a bit about this for Fox, but. What, what does this look like? We've sort of hinted at it with those first few games, but take me past game one and two because this is a seven-game series. 
And uh, it's going to take more than just Wheeler and Nola stealing a game. Well, that's the thing, is that the Astros are better. They are a better team. The impetus is on the Phillies to flip that script. And it is really, for me, all about Wheeler and Nola. Because they need to go ahead and win at least three of the games that they start. Like, the Wheeler-Nola duo has to win three of the four games they start, if they want to have any shot. And that's because game four is just a mess. And we'll get to that in a second. I think the other way that the Phillies win is by catching the baseball. Mm-hmm. Like catching not dropping the baseball, it. right? They should catch it. They should throw it. They should field it. They haven't always done that, Jordan. No. Sometimes they have stone hands. And if they want to beat the Astros, they got to do it because the Astros will pounce on them if they make any mistakes. Yes. Here's my, my cue for the Phillies. I need them, whether they win or not, they need to show up in game one and not feel like, oh, fuck, they're the Astros. (laughs) This is impossible. Because the Astros have not lost in many weeks. Sure, you can say, oh, they just, they lost the Phillies, you know, back at the end of the regular season. We'll get to that in a second. If the, if, and I would bet so much on Schwarber swinging like crazy if he's still in the leadoff spot there uh, off of Verlander for the first time. He took, he he hit a leadoff homer against the Astros uh, at the end of the regular season, too. They need to come out swinging in that first game. Whether they beat Verlander or not, that is going to be huge. I am worried about 2007, in which the Colorado Rockies stormed their way to the World Series inexplicably against the Red Sox. Game one against the Red Sox. Boston 13, Colorado 1. And then they just swept them. Okay? That's the worst case scenario here. We just, I just want a series. I don't want the Phillies to just be an afterthought. Okay, I want this to be competitive. And for that to be the case, you're right. They do need to show up in game one. Wait, I'm sorry. Before we go to the next question, were you making a point for the Phillies? That that was confusing there. I thought you were saying for the Astros who are coming in undefeated the way that the the Rockies that I'm like, come on, you're not comparing the Rockies to the Astros. No, 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 no. You just I'm comparing the Rockies to the Phillies. The Rockies are the Phillies because they're like the Rockies. I see. I see. Okay, that that makes more sense. I just I just wanted to clarify that there because people will be mentioning the Rockies as, as one of the other only other three teams or two teams to to reach the World Series undefeated in the wildcard era. But okay, all right, Chris, let's move on to our next question. All right, next question, Jordan. Now you've said before that you are fine with the Astros winning this series. <gasps> Some of the biggest reasons behind this, please. So I don't have to explain Dusty because that's how everyone feels, right? I talked about on the last episode how I feel like I have some sort of Mariners fan defect to be to be okay with the Astros winning. However, this is a basic thing. I, I feel like it's pretty normal to want to be eliminated by the team that eventually wins it all. I think that usually makes you as a fan feel a little bit better to know that you lost to the best team. And kind of jumping off of that, and maybe this is just a, a, a really lame answer, um, but sometimes it is sort of nice for baseball to make some sense. And I've loved this postseason. And I would love if the Phillies win. Like, I'm not, this isn't me saying that I, I want the Astros to win, but like why I'm okay with it is because they look like the best team and one of the best teams we've seen. And if they just do that, plus Dusty, I'll be like, well, yeah, sometimes the best team can win. <laughs> and, and that is in some cases comforting. In some cases. I accept the fact that sometimes the best team needs to win in order to heighten the experience when the best team doesn't win. Mm. Every day can't be Christmas. (laughs) Yes. Okay. If the best team never wins, then 
there's no point in being the best team. Yes. Right. And, and to, to be clear, if you're asking me who I'm rooting for, I think it is still like 70% Phillies. Uh, but that is, that is where I'm at, uh, for this, for this team. So anyway, okay. what's next, Chris? Uh, next question. Does Rob Thompson need to change his lineup? Yeah. Yes. Right now. He needs to do it right now, right now, immediately. Jordan, do you know why? Uh, I know that Bryce Harper has only, I just saw this, uh, right before we started recording. Bryce Harper only has two walks, um, in October. That seems like a mis- That seems like a huge flaw for the and look I know he's hit some pitches out of the strike zone for damage I, I realize that that sure maybe these pitchers have been pitching around him that is that is not okay that is a huge indictment on Bob Melvin on on Ali Marmol and then of course on on uh on Brian Snicker as well let's not be given Bryce Harper I mean I would love to watch Bryce Harper continue to hit but if we're trying to win that's probably not the move and if that I think the Astros are smart enough to pitch around Bryce, especially now that he's this hot. Mm-hmm. And if they do so, who will be hitting behind Bryce? Nick Castellanos, who has fewer hits this October than Harper has extra base hits. <laughs> Castellanos is a nine for 41. And Bryce, I believe, has 11 doubles plus home runs. Yes. All right. I think that one of two things needs to happen. Either... Harper needs to move up to third and Real Muto moves down to four or you bump Segura up to two and you just have Harper before and like Hoskins moves down to five. One of those two things needs to happen or else you're just going to get Harper walked and walked and walked and walked and walked if Castellanos is the guy that you can pitch to, especially because he's like an early count swinger. I think Castellanos is really easy to game plan against in October I just have very little faith that he's going to be able to back up Harper. Do I think Thompson will change the lineup? No. I think he is the even-keeled, will-not-budge dude. And I think that might come back to haunt them, especially if the Astros wise up and just give Bryce nothing to hit. What are your thoughts yep. on that, Jordan? I, no, I'm I'm totally with you. I, I hadn't thought about it that much and, and realized that, yeah, he's, he's only been hitting fourth. Um and look, we we love Reese and, and Schwarber as the unorthodox leadoff guy is is fun, but it, it does just create this this kind of very delicate balance at the top where you could see it being exploited pretty quickly. So that is certainly a concern. Bryce is going to get his knocks, okay? But when those knocks happen, and if you're costing him a couple at bats over the course of a series, that that could be a big difference. Over under four and a half walks for Bryce. In the World Series. Uh, I will say over. I'll say over. Yeah, definitely. Even in four games, maybe five games. Yeah, I mean, if it's seven, easily, I think. Uh, All right, let's go to our next question from one superstar to another. Fellas, I would love to know, what type of reception does Hector Neris get in Philly? Hector Neris. Chris Chris has been been ruminating on this one for, for weeks. Hector Couldn't Neris, sleep last night wondering. <laughs> one of my favorite Astros and also one of my favorite Phillies. <laughs> the longest, uh, he would be the longest tenured Philly were he still uh, with them. He had never made the postseason, of course, being on the Phillies all these years. Goes to the Astros, has an awesome season, only allows three home runs, which might be hard to believe for Phillies fans. The splitter is as good as ever. He's pitching in high leverage. He's been great. And when they go back for game three and they do the intros, will the Phillies fans 
cheer Hector Neris? I think absolutely. But he did cause them a lot of pain. <laughs> Even in his excellence, he blew games in some in some epic fashions over the years. So what do you think? And Philly fans love to boo, right? It's cold there. I think they love to boo. I think he gets a standing ovation because <laughs> Philadelphia is not mad right now, right? They're happy. And I think that will play a huge role. I think the second he enters a game, they'll boo the crap out of him. Yes. But I think during intros, he gets cheers. Also, that will help is that they will be booing every other Astro with every ounce of their lungs. And so they will take the opportunity to pause and recognize one who was one of their own for eight seasons. I do think they will do that. So I think that also helps is that they will boo every other player on the team, <laughs> which will be hilarious. That will be just a, a great spectacle before game three. Does Neris blow a game in Philly for old time's sake? <laughs> for old time's sake. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, of course, you know, nightmare scenarios. He, he gets the last out against the Phillies, right? I mean, that's, that's what I'm sure oh. Phillies fans are really dreading. Um, but that would have to – there would be a lot because I don't see – if the Astros win the World Series, I don't see a scenario where Ryan Presley isn't on the mound at the end. Um, but we will, we will see. All right, Chris, what's the next question? Thank you for that answer, fellas. I appreciate it. Uh, is game four an automatic Phillies L? <laughs> sure, it sure feels that way. I mean, we already touched on it earlier in terms of the pitching edge. I mean, they're just, again, the fact that it's in Philly makes it feel like anything is possible and some weird shit could go down. But I, it's just, again, they, ha and they, they came back in that game four. But the Astros aren't sending Mike Clevenger and Sean Manai out there. And it's 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 really it's really that simple. Philly has won the two game fours yet. Like mm -hmm. they've they beat Atlanta in Cindergard mm -hmm. against Charlie Morton, and they beat the Padres with Bailey Falter just sucking a <laughs> dozen True. eggs. Mm -hmm. So, but that being said, the gap is not this big. I I think they have to start Cindergard. I think okay. Falter is done. I don't think you could put him on the roster. Mm -hmm. He just looked so out of his depth. I think that fastball is way too hittable. Mm -hmm. And if they do start him, that game will be over in a flash. <laughs> I would honestly go with an opener. I would start Connor Brogdon mm -hmm. or Bilotti or Eflin sure. for an inning against the top of their lineup and then bring in Syndergaard to kind of get settled against the middle of the order. Middle yeah. to the bottom of the order. I could, I could see that. Uh, all right, let's get a little more uh, Phillies positive here, Chris, with this next question. Will the Astros lose to an NL East team in the World Series again? Well, here we are. Round three, Astros versus the NL East. They took the Nationals to seven games, only to lose because Howie Kendrick went clang. <laughs> the Braves, they got it back to Houston but ultimately succumbed to the mighty powers of Jorge Soler. Does this mean that they are now going to lose to the Phillies in five, and then in a few years, the Marlins in four, and then the Mets, maybe? I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> so the Nats in 19 won 93 games. The Braves last year won 88 games. Mm. The Phillies this year won 87 <laughs> games. So it's getting easier. Technically, it's it is. getting easier. It is easier. getting easier. It is getting easier. Yeah. They'll have to beat the 83-win the Marlins. 
months in a year or two. God now, bless the expanded <laughs> postseason. I love it because I love it because it's so funny for the Mets fans <laughs> to just be like everyone else is here but us. Oh man. And I it shows that there's a path. It's possible. This has happened. In each of those other series, Houston was favored in both times. They lost because baseball is stupid in a seven-game series. Anything can happen. And I think that the track record here should give Philadelphians more faith that their team can pull it off because we've seen it fall apart. It's not like we can't envision a scenario in which the Astros bungle it. They're running into this postseason undefeated, and so it's hard for us to like think about them losing at all, even a game. All you got to do is watch the highlights from last year's World Series, friends, and that'll take care of that. All right. Uh, what is what? Actually, you know what that just reminded me of? This is kind of a, a separate offshoot here. So we still haven't had a team win on their home field since the, 2013, the 2013 Red, Red Sox, Sox, right? So, I mean, yeah, and and I, that's, I guess that's another question that I'm just adding in here. I, I, is it any more likely in this series? I I. I I mean, I feel like no, but but uh, I guess I guess we'll see. All right, sorry. We 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 go back uh, uh, to Chris's questions. Uh, go ahead. All right, we've got a few more left, including the much anticipated my question, which we're going to end with. Uh, next one: Does the last series of the year mean literally anything? Jake, go ahead. So the Phillies and the Astros played each other last week of the year. Was it really the Phillies playing the Astros or was it the rested Astros playing the hungover Phillies? Because the Phillies clinched the postseason in game one of that set and then ran out the classic hangover lineup in game two. I think it does mean something. Mm -hmm. I think that it helps hitters who have literally seen these pitchers so recently, Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't the full roster, the data's there. The stats are there. These current versions of these current teams, the files are at the top, right? Like the scouting reports are easily accessible. You're not going to lose them in the office in some file <laughs> somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it matters a little bit. I agree. And and yeah, Nola was incredible in that first game. Uh, they clinched. They went 3 nothing. Schwarber homers twice. Uh, Stott has a homer off for Cutie there. Um, but again, yeah, who, who pitches in that first game is Lance, who's good after the Schwarber homer, and then Urquidy, and then Phil Maton, who's, who's not a factor. Second game, hangover lineup, Verlander absolutely dices. It's Ranger Suarez, Chris Davinsky pitching that last game, Brogdon, Robertson, Dominguez uh, gives up some runs at the end of the game. And then in the last game, a 3-2 to two Astros victory. Uh, again, you know, a lot, you know, Jake Myers is playing, Dubon is playing, David Hensley comes in. And then it's also Dalton Guthrie, Nick Maton, Veerling. Like, it's not the full lineup. And for the Phillies, they use Bailey Falter for one inning, Michael Plassmeyer for six, <laughs> and Nick Nelson for one. So, whereas the Astros kind of used all of their dudes in that last game, uh, Phil, but Phil Maton's the only one that allowed a run. So, I'm with you. I think it means something. It's only uh, the the sixth time in the interleague era that the teams have faced off in the regular season before meeting in the World Series. Uh, first time since 2014. So, listen, people are going to mention it on the broadcast for sure. Hard to tell how much it really means. All right. Uh, one more, and then we get to your question, uh, Chris. But one more here for you. Okay. What do we got? Who from either the Phillies or the Astros becomes a household name over the next week? Okay, so this concept is something that I feel like we have 
bent, uh, bantered about much uh, over the years, which first is just what are we even talking about? What is a household name? What qualifies as a household name? Where did this term come from? I should do some research. But Jake, well, this question I know is near and dear to your heart. So what do you, what do you, what do you think about, about this? So yesterday, Jordan, we were on a call just shooting the shit. And my lovely girlfriend is not a baseball fan at all. And that's great. It, it honestly is the best because I get to have other things in my life that I think about and talk about. That being said, it is interesting to use her as a lens through what is a household name. Because specifically, what are the names in my household where we live that she has heard of? And there were five players on these rosters whose names she had heard of before. And that is Reese Hoskins, Bryce Harper, Alex Bregman, Jose, oh, not Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Justin Verlander, and Trey Mancini, which is hilarious because I'm an, an Orioles fan. And, you know. <laughs> yes, definitely some some Jake Mintz uh, bias there, right? Uh, considering yeah. Trey Mancini, the Oriole, and Reese Hoskins, our friend. But yeah, that, so let that's me ask two questions. Mm-hmm. Two questions. Who becomes a household name and who becomes a household name in my household? <laughs> okay, so I think the easy answers are Jeremy Pena for just household name for casual baseball fan, right? I mean, even if you were watching the CS, if you're watching the CS or any of the Astros postseason, he had, you know, arguably the two biggest homers besides the Jordan ones is the, the 18th inning winner and then the, the game-tying homer um, against, against Nestor in the clincher in the CS. So Payne is a good one and not one that we've seen. Jordan's another good one, but we have seen some of him. And if he's not already there, you know, maybe he, why is he going to suddenly get there now? So I'll, I'll go with Pena. I'm trying to think for the Phillies. I mean, we've seen Schwarber a lot on TV. Again, what a household name means. Uh, now for you, I am going to go with Schwarber as the best bet, I think. That would be in my, my house, My pick. Yes, in your household. I think the best bet in my household is Brandon Marsh. Because I, I wrote that big Brandon Marsh piece about him being wet. I think we're going to try and have him on a show here mm-hmm. at some point coming up. Mm-hmm. And he's very easy to discern uh, from all the other players because of his hair. In my household, I think we're going to get Brandon Marsh being a household name. Overall, I will take Schwarber becoming even more of a household name. Mm-hmm. And I will take uh, your Jeremy Pena pick as well. All right, let's move on to Chris's final question. Jordan, we're not prepared. This could no. be about anything. Yeah, I hope it's about the World Series or Skip Schumacher. <laughs> so what do you got? <laughs> all right, fellas. Uh, have you heard of Eurovision before? This isn't my main question. This is the lead into the question. <laughs> have you heard of Eurovision? I have. I, I know what Eurovision is. Eurovision is essentially American Idol for Europe, right? Exactly. Yeah. So when mm-hmm. I was living in Australia, every year my family would come over, all my cousins, my aunties and uncles, and we would put together a whole bunch of different snacks for when we were watching the, the song contest based on the countries that were competing, right? So we had pastizis oh. for Malta, we had Spanakopita, Bratwurst, Israeli salad, whatever, right? We'd see who was competing and we'd try to create this huge you know, wow. array of, of different foods from around Europe. Uh, I have a quick question. Fr- yes. Australia's not in Europe. Though. <laughs> Correct, but it's so big in Europe. Yeah, Eurovision. It's so big in Australia. Like Eurovision yeah. is huge because we've got such a, a big European population. Mm-hmm. Um, 
It's do just... they have Oceania Vision too? <laughs> no, it got so big in Australia that Australia now competes in Eurovision, believe it or not. What? Which they're we eligible? don't like. It, it sort of defeats the purpose a little bit because we're like laughing at the, the countries oh, that were competing in it so and now funny. we're in it. And it's it's like a whole thing, but it it's, it's a lot of fun mainly because of the food that we have, right? And then also for the Tour de France, you know, we mm. collect a selection of French cheeses. Now and you're sort speaking of stuff Jake's language. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. Now you're speaking Jake's language. Okay. So my question is, what is the ideal World Series watch party menu for this particular matchup? Is there any certain foods oh, that we should matchup. have or drink or anything mm-hmm. else that we should prepare while watching the World Series? Uh, I think the number one thing you need to have for Philly is lamppost grease. <laughs> have you heard of lamppost grease, Chris? Never in my life. Okay, so in Philly is this delicacy called lamppost grease, which they spread on lampposts come playoff time. They smother poles, Mm. uh, lampposts, light poles, whatever, in grease so that people cannot climb them. So that they are slippery. I've seen this actually. And I didn't know what it was, was called, avoid... but I've seen, I've seen videos. So I would say lamppost grease mm, in pita bread Yum. for the Philadelphians. Well, well, when they for 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 wit and wit out, right? That's what they're talking about. Is do you mind these things? Uh, that is uh... <laughs> wit wit lamppost grease or without it. <laughs> Um, that's disgusting. Uh, Jake, we've spent a good amount of time in Houston. I'm trying to think about what Houston food we've had um, that has that has stood out. Uh, so Houston any- is one of the most uh, culturally diverse cities in America. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that the food there absolutely freaking slaps. Jordan, we had one of the best Thai meals of our lives oh. in, in Houston last year. Remember that? I do remember that. And we had some fantastic Mexican food as well. Uh, I recall uh, when we went, like we there is there is no short. I mean, it's the it's the fourth biggest city in the country. Like there's 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 yeah, there's a lot to choose from. These are two outstanding outstanding food cities. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I think for Houston, you go Mexican food or you go barbecue, right? Those are the obvious ones. Mm-hmm. Although I would I would urge people who are traveling there for the World Series to sample the Indian cuisine. Mm-hmm. Huge uh, Indian American population in and around Houston, and the f- Indian food there is very good. So I would say for Houston, any of those things, uh, make your own trash can jokes later. Philly, <laughs> there's obviously uh, cheese sticks. Yeah. Now, yeah. Jordan, when's the last time you had a cheese steak? Actually, do you eat recently. them regularly? Actually, yeah. pretty recently. I, I I do I do dabble in in cheese steaks, even if it is from you know whatever chain of choice. I don't want to sound like a snooty snoot, but the lack of veggies in a cheesesteak is not ideal for my gastrointestinal mm. realities. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we need no, to mix true. in a little bit of roughage you would like in the some sandwich. Green. You would like some green. I would like some green. Now, Philly, again, great food town. I've been spending a whole lot of time there recently, and I've gotten a sample quite a bit. All of the Israeli restaurants in Philly are very good. The Salamanov restaurants. Uh, Zahav and, yeah. and Dizengoff and all those places Me and my wife are outstanding. It does feel a little weird to bring like hummus to a Philadelphia <laughs> watch party. So I would say lamp grease, yingling, <laughs> water, just, you know, for health purposes. <laughs> and then... And then 
Yeah, go ahead. Well, this is one more obvious one, but go ahead. What's your obvious one? Well, just some some good old fashioned Minute Maid orange juice. I mean, come on, Let's, we got to get mm. some some <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> or lemonade. I would say that they actually probably excel more. You know, are people still calling it the juice box, or is that more Tropicana? I feel like that's more Tropicana. What are the foods available to eat at a Citizens Bank? <laughs> like mints? Right. Can you get that's like a- mint? Yeah, that's where Minute Maid, I think, has the edge there. But yeah, I mean, listen, I, you're you're gonna go see these two cities again. Um, I will not be traveling, unfortunately, but you you will get to experience the Houston delicacies once again. And uh, and yeah, let us know. Good, great Zahab shout out. I was not expecting yeah. that. <laughs> that was good. That fires me up. Um, maybe maybe Bregman can stop in uh, at some point. All right. Uh, any any uh, fi- thank you, Chris. That was a good question. Thank, thank you, you for for all the questions. Um, I know this this one went a little long, but we, you know we got the time, we got the off days, and we are super amped for this uh, edition of the World Series. Uh, of course, we got Game One coming up on Friday. We hope you enjoyed this episode. However, we plan to have another preview episode coming at some point before Game One with multiple guests to be determined. We will leave it mm. at that. Jake, you are leaving for Houston uh, in a couple hours, um, and so you will be on the ground gathering up some guests for us. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, but until then, any any uh, any final thoughts uh, before? We- I have no more thoughts. Okay, Jordan, okay. don't we have to make picks? Uh, oh, I guess we can make picks. Uh, Jake Mintz, who's going to win the World Series? Jordan. Yeah. My head and my heart have never been out. more more <laughs> at war. <laughs> they are at war. They are not at peace. Yeah. And however tempting it is to let my heart win over, I am inclined to let my head make this decision. Mm. And my heart says, no, what? what? (laughs) My head says, listen to my heart. And I'm going to take the Phillies in six games. Wow. The Phillies in six, ride it out, feel the vibes. Go with the vibes. I don't know, man. I just, like, we've seen it three times before. I think it, Nola and Wheeler show out. I think it could totally happen. I think they can win at least one of the games in Houston, first two. You give the Astros the game four walk, and I think the Phillies win the other three. Here's the real question. Would the Phillies be better off forfeiting game four <laughs> just from the jump? No, that's that's disrespectful. I'm taking the Astros in six, but I do think the Phillies can do it. Um, I don't think the Astros will have a perfect postseason, uh, but I think game one is going to tell us a lot about how this is going to go. Chris, who you got? Astros in seven. Astros in seven. There you go. Giving the Phillies a little bit more love. Um, but yeah, those are our picks. You can email us at baseballbarbacast at gmail.com. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. We've been getting, still been getting some good emails. I know we haven't read them recently, but keep them coming. And hey, here's another thing. We are going to be podcasting after every game of the World Series. Shorter episodes. They won't be 90 minutes like this one, but we will be delivering you content after every game uh, uh, reactions shortly after the final out. So we got plenty more pods coming. Uh, thank you so much for your support. Make sure you leave uh, a nice review and any baseball player on the review uh, with your nice mm-hmm. review wherever you listen. And uh, we really appreciate the support. And we will talk to you again very soon. Bye-bye. Sirius XM Podcasts.
Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.